0: And uh, we come to a passage where <clears throat> I think I think it is it's a difficult passage, and a lot of people struggle with it. But for me, it is a it is finally God revealing His understanding, His plan for humanity. In <clears throat> that, not only is man going to turn and sin and place himself in the midst of the wrath of God, and remember, God's holiness demands wrath against sin, and His very nature of being holy requires that he be wrathful towards sin. And so that is an understanding that is throughout scripture. It's an understanding that you would just naturally have with a perfect, all-knowing, all-powerful, good being. And his relationship which, with that which is not him, which would be evil, wrong, sinful, Lost and so God's got to be wrathful towards sin. He has got. He's got to have wrath towards sin. And if He's going to have wrath towards sin, how is it possible that mankind can can attain to a relationship with Him, can be set right with Him, can be okay in 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 fellowship with Him? How is it possible that could ever happen if God's nature is going to be? totally wrathful towards sin and the answer is that there has to be an appeasement of that wrath there has to be a payment for that sin there has to be a a someone who comes and is the bonded one the one who is who is the bond slave to sin and they pay the price for that sin and that understanding that god is building in genesis and exodus is culminated in in the man moses being a picture of The perfect man, Christ, coming and being the one who is the mediator, the one who is the in-between God, perfect, holy God, and lost, sinful man. There has to be one who is the mediator between those two. And finally, Moses being a reluctant servant, not a reluctant to have a relationship with God, but reluctant to serve in the role that God had for him, has finally come full circle in this story. And he does come full circle in this story. He he comes to the place where he places himself between the people and God as a mediator or one who mediates between the wrath of God and the death that comes from separation from God in, in our sin. And so when we're dealing with, when we're looking at this passage and we're dealing with the the struggles and the difficulties that, that we have with God and his holiness and our relating to him and his holiness, we see God beginning to place that plan in place. And Moses, and this is what makes him great in scripture, Moses is the man who steps into that role and takes on the role of the one who appeases God's wrath, the one who comforts God's wrath sin, And that's really, that's the word that's used. He repents, he comforts it, he appeases it. Wrath towards sin and draws the two together, a holy God and sinful humanity. Now, Moses doesn't pay the price for sin. He's not the atonement for sin. But Moses is given the sacrificial system, which is the atonement of sin. Moses plays the role as the person who mediates that. And he's not the perfect one he's just a foreshadowing of the perfect one but he does play that role and that's what happens here it says god we we read uh, yesterday where god said in verse 10 now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and that i might consume them notice and he's saying leave me alone i'm going to now i'm going to now consummate my holiness and my righteousness against sin and I am going to pour out my wrath against them, and I'm going to consume them in in my wrath, and I'll make you a great nation. Notice he offers, he tells Moses that Moses is going to be the great nation because Moses is a man of faith, much like their forefathers, Abraham was a man of faith, and God is going to make a great nation out of Moses. Remember, God is searching for a a person who will walk by faith in him he's searching remember that's the that is the mechanism by which we have a relationship with God it's not the it's not now for it to be possible there has to be an atonement of sin but for it to function there has to be faith and and so as he's as Moses is dealing with this it says then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said Lord why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you've brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? What he's saying is, why is your wrath burning against them? You have redeemed them out of Egypt. And that's a great question. And notice he is mediating. He is He's the one that is in between. He's, the, he's functioning literally as the great high priest, as the priest who who mediates between God and man. He says, you've redeemed them out of Egypt. You've redeemed them by the blood of the lamb. You've redeemed them out of uh, slavery in Egypt. He says, why should the Egyptians speak and say, meaning why should evil, why should the world say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, to consume them with the from the face of the earth? What he's saying is, why should the world be able to say that which you redeemed, you could not save? And That is the role Jesus plays. It is the role that Jesus is, it's the role that he, what makes us alive in God is Jesus. It goes to the wrath of God, the nature of God that separates from us. And he says, I have redeemed them out of it. We've redeemed them. We've brought them out of Egypt. And so why should, why should your wrath burn against them? And why should the world see that you can't redeem them you can you did and you should not destroy them with your wrath and that 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 idea that understanding that that bridge that crosses from god's holiness to to man's sinfulness and allows for there to be redemption that bridge is laid right here the first really understanding of it in its fullness is laid right here. He says, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel? He's saying, remember the promises? The Remember the covenant relationship you have with them? That's what Jesus does when he sits at the right hand of the Father. He draws God's holiness to the redemption that God has provided. And he says, your servant to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I've spoken of, I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. Notice, he's saying, I don't want you to make me a great nation. I'm a part of the great nation that you've already promised. It's a promise from long ago. And that promise from long ago goes all the way back. It goes farther back than Abraham. That promise goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, where God pronounces the punishment for sin, pronounces the wrath he has towards sin and yet in the midst of his pronouncement of wrath against man wrath against woman he provides redemption he he says to them that there's hope in the future that there's going to be one who comes who crushes the serpent's head there's one going to be one who comes who destroys the power of sin and that promise that was made to adam that promise that that was began in Abraham and his faith walk and then is carried out. It's being culminated and it's being brought to, to a powerful point right here in in the desert where God's people are turned totally, totally toward idolatry, totally toward worshiping themselves. And even in the midst of turning totally toward that, Moses goes to God and says, God, these are the promises, this is the plan, and you have provided that redemption in this plan. And um, why should we stop now? Just because man, yeah, man's heart turns toward wickedness. Man's heart is replete with wickedness. Each one is turned to his own way. Uh, we're all subject to the wrath of God. Even though that's possible, the plan and the work of God toward the redemption of his people is still at play. It's still available. And that's true of the Old Testament. That's true of the people of Israel. That's true of the New Testament church, but it's also true of people individually. It's true of you individually. And so the great panoramic Picture of the Old Testament and God's redemption, work, the redemptive work, and his foreshadowing of Jesus and him fulfilling that role of redemption for us. That whole panoramic verse, it, panoramic view is a great story, but it's also a personal story. It's a story that says that you are Adam and Eve in the garden, you are the people of Israel in the wilderness. You are a stiff-necked, hard-hearted people, and yet God's finished redemptive work that is foreshadowed in the Old Testament that's culminated in Christ is sufficient for you to have relationship with God. And he makes the argument. You've led them out of Egypt. Your wrath is justified and yet you have redeemed them. And why should your creation not see both your wrath and your judgment and your holiness, but also see your redemption, your life, your peace that you offer to your people? And when Moses says this to God, it says in verse 14, so the Lord relented or he comforted from the harm or the evil, which he said he would do to his people, meaning the destruction that he planned to do against humanity for sin was appeased by his redemption. And that verse 14 is the subject of a lot of debate and a lot of questioning. But when you step back and say, okay, who's playing, who's speaking in these roles? You go, okay, we got Moses here. What role is Moses playing? He's finally culminated. He's come to the place where he's totally fulfilling the role of being the foreshadowing figure of Jesus Christ. He is the mediator between God and man. And that mediation is required because God's wrath has to be appeased. That mediation is required because man is dead and needs to be made alive so that he can know God. And Moses gives us the perfect foreshadowing of it. And God allows Moses to step into that role and do that so that there would be an easy picture to see down the road when Jesus comes, that he is the prophet that Moses said would come. He is the king of kings that's going to sit on David's throne. He is the high priest that makes accessible God to humanity in heaven. He's all those things together in in one man, human, and God makes, makes life out of death. And it's not that hard for me when I look at this and it says, so God relented or he repented or he comforted from the harm or the evil, which he said he would do to his people. His wrath and his judgment. Uh, must be appeased against sin, and he is holy, and he will be holy. And so, yeah, he is going to, he's going to be holy, and he's going to, he is going to, he's going to punish sin. But through the lens of Jesus Christ, through the redemption of blood, he repents from that, he relents from that, he comforts from that. And he does not do the destruction that would normally be required by his holiness. And that's a great story. That's, that's really what the Bible's about. That's what it's about. And when you read this and look at this and see that, you go, wow, God's been at this work for a long time. And if he's been at this work for a long time, throughout time and space and and history, then the truth that the Holy Spirit reveals in my heart that he wants to do that for me is real, it's true, and that I should receive it and walk in it. That's what why we study the Bible, for God to comfort us and to reveal himself through his word, and that's what he's done here today. And I pray that you'll uh, receive that. I pray that you'll be comforted by that. I pray that you'll see that that God's been at work at this plan for a long time, and that plan intricately and intimately involves you also, and that you'll walk in that. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.